0: Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 990, with Amy DePauly.
1: 100% since day one, my mantra has been one team, one dream.
0: Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then, join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become... Unstoppable. This episode is brought to you by one huddle, a coaching and development platform using quick burst mobile games to more quickly and effectively level up and fire up your workforce with one huddle. You can onboard new employees up to 45% faster. There was actually a study done by the university of South Florida that has proven that you can train your employees 45% faster. This just isn't fluff. This is real stuff. One huddle, this new and improved way to educate your staff will train, Translate into increased sales because you're creating more consistency with the guest experience in both front of house and back of house, i.e. menu development, just learning the menu, POS, limited time offers, food costs, things like this. To learn more, head to restaurantunstoppable.com slash one huddle. That's the number one in huddle like a football huddle. And when you use that link, you can get access to one huddle's game shop, 3000 plus on demand skill games on everything from bartending to serve safe. To the latest Amazon best selling books and so much more. One more time, restaurantunstoppable.com slash one huddle. This episode is brought to you by Ovation. Creating a great guest experience is the goal of every restaurant every time. But the ways to find out what's actually happening with your guests are terrible. That's where Ovation comes in. Ovation gets happy guests to leave you positive reviews and unhappy guests to share what happened. And it gives you specific ideas to improve. Ovation, it's frictionless for your guests, easy for your managers, and powerful for you. If you're interested in actionable guest feedback, visit OvationUp.com slash unstoppable. Unstoppable listeners get $100 off their setup fee. What are you waiting for? That's up up dot com slash unstoppable this episode is brought to you by Restaurant Systems Pro and they are launching their first time ever 60 day pilot it, more butts and seats, and that's not it. If you are interested in this, head over to www.restaurantunstoppable.com/rsp. That's rsp for Restaurant Systems Pro. www.restaurantunstoppable.com/rsp. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Director of Marketing at Honeygrow, Amy DePolly. Amy, are you feeling unstoppable? today. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Never I, more unstoppable. Dude,
0: I'm psyched to have you here because I don't always get to talk to a director of marketing. I am outside of my comfort zone, but that is where growth happens. So I'm happy to be here. I'm not sure what questions I'm going gonna, gonna to ask you, but I'm sure they're going <laughs> to pop into my head as you get going. Uh, so I, this is going to be great. I can't wait to dive into your story, but let's get that motivational, inspirational, ball rolling with a success quote or mantra. What do you offer us? 100%.
1: Since day one, my mantra has been one team, one dream.
0: One team, one dream. And
1: that's not only because I'm from Philadelphia and the Eagles follow that as well.
0: Oh, I'm Eagles a Patriots fly. fan. I'll let that slide. That's
1: all right. I'm married <laughs> to one of those.
0: <laughs> but why one team, one dream?
1: Um, so I think, you know, my as we'll probably get into in a few minutes, my background is largely with uh, retailers that are about to explode. And... There is no room for I in a situation like that. Everybody has to be on board working towards a common goal in order for the ultimate success. What have you
0: learned about creating one team in one dream? How do you do that? You
1: know, I think... it comes down to hiring the right team and finding the right characteristics in your team. Um, and when I say one team, one dream, pr- particularly at Honeygrow, I feel like the whole company is uh, really follows that mantra and. I've only been with HoneyGrow for a year, so I walked into a situation where that was already in place. But um, there's no sense of hierarchy. It's very much everybody knows their marching orders and is a huge contributor to the greater goal. And so, um, you know, in my time at HoneyGrow, I have uh, completely rebuilt the marketing team, which consists of a whopping four people. Um, But... In doing so, you look for certain qualities in candidates and how they're going to be able to contribute and to make sure that they do have that team mentality.
0: All right, I'm already taking notes because I have questions coming to my mind, but I'm going to hold off because I feel like I want to share your story first. Sure. And when we get into talking about your team later on how you've organized that, what lanes people are in in terms of marketing Mm -hmm. and like how you structure that. I'm really interested in that. But where does it make sense to start sharing your story? I mean, you said that you started at five years old.
1: I started at five years old. 20 years in the industry? 20 years. I started when I was five. (laughs) Genius.
0: (laughs) That was a little joke that Amy told when I got here. Uh, But we have a great sense of humor. But you've been in the industry for 20 years. Yes. You're not 25 though. I'm not. Okay.
1: No, <laughs> you can do the math. Um, I graduated from college, so add 20 years to that. 2001. Um, yes, 2001. Providence College. Go Friars. No, I really dated you. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um,
1: so yeah, so I, I graduated from Providence College. I went to college thinking I wanted to do marketing, advertising, PR, kind of the the whole package, which was a lot different 20 years ago. Um, well, that's one of the things I'm <clears> curious
0: <throat> about. Is like, like the world of marketing is. Like, if you wait a year, it's a completely different game. It's, it's, it's month by month now, not even a year by year. It's so crazy how fast it, it changes. So, it was a lot different then. How much of that is relative now, would you say?
1: You know, I think I took one class that I still reference every single day, and um, it was consumer behavior. And that, no matter how marketing changes, at the end of the day, if you're working in a B2C environment, business to consumer, consumer-based uh, retailers in my situation, um, at the end of the day, you're talking to someone who's making a personalized purchase. And it doesn't matter what marketing vehicle you use, you're still talking to an individual. And so their purchase patterns, their behavior is Emotional. going to be the same. Exactly.
0: Yeah. People make emotional purchasing mm-hmm. decisions, and I think that it's that part of marketing that appeals to me the most is the right. is understanding the consumer and reverse engineering the message that the consumer wants. Right, uh, and it can be kind of slimy sometimes too. Like, there, some like, how do you find that balance of like. Persuasion versus manipulation, right?
1: And it's it's tough. Yeah. I had a boss one te- once tell me that the number one thing you can do in marketing is make your messaging benefit oriented, and I still think about that every day mm-hmm. too. You have to. I, I wrestle with this idea, you know, that you just said. How do you make it um, resonate with someone without making it slimy? Mm-hmm. And a really big thing in marketing right now is cause marketing. And what does that say?
0: That one more time. Cause marketing like because.
1: No cause, like a oh, like, a, a, like, like a, a cause, like a, a aligning social, with a charitable organization yeah. or a, you know a social. I call a, that
0: cap uh, conscious capitalism. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. So, um, but how do you do that? We at you know at Honeygrow or at my previous company, um, we have aligned with companies or with organizations that benefit children, and that's because of the pillars that we hold dear at the companies that I've been with. Um, and we, for example, at Honeygrow, a portion of our kids meal is donated back to a, a Boston based organization called team impact. And how do we get that message across without it's feeling slimy, like come in here and, uh, we'll donate a dollar. Well, that sounds great. Right. Um, but how do we get media out to get additional exposure and things like that? I mean, you, you you have to frame it the right way so that people understand, that our customers understand what we're doing is something very positive when we're helping this great organization raise money to do other great things. But from a media perspective, when it comes to marketing something like that, what? how do we get media to come out? How do we make it a strong enough message and event worthy and timely and all these things that you learn in school from a PR perspective, how do you get media to come out and see that?
0: I'm writing it down right now. How do you get media to come out and see that? And I think this is like like the strategy part of right. what you guys do, right? So I want to shelf that because okay. I don't want to get too far ahead, but you're giving us gold already. <laughs> so I'm, So I'm really excited about this. So just real quick. Help the listeners understand. This is totally yes. my fault because I sent you down this path because I'm my ADD and curiosity. But just paint that picture the, the, just quick, like the 30,000 foot uh, airplane path to where you are today. Sure.
1: So I graduated from Providence College, like I said, um, in 2001 and quickly joined EB Games, which was then purchased by GameStop, which I'm sure many of your listeners are familiar with. Um, and that was a really exciting experience. Dove right into consumer marketing. Um, I had a role that was really encompassed. Uh, I was a, you know, low man on the totem pole for sure, but I had a great experience where it was baptism by fire. My manager and her manager both went on maternity leave and I was thrown into this at holiday time and, you know, really had to figure things out uh, pretty quickly and on my own for a lot of it. Um, that's the way I work best that's how I learned I worked best that way um, and then when they came back you know I found myself feeling a little bit stifled being put back into the lower level role that I was hired for so I stayed there for a while got some really great experience actually met the person um, who brought me on Honeygrow grow uh, when I was when I was there and um, so a lot of great connections a, a really good vibe Again, a high growth. Um, we we grew substantially while I was there in the number of units. That was a time when the strip centers, the more lifestyle shopping centers, were really exploding, and the mall malls were still very active. But we had made our mark in most of the malls. And so now, what what, what did that expansion look like? And so we went into a lot of the strip centers, and then from there, I went to an advertising agency. Um, and I th- I recommend that for all marketers to get that experience and seeing what happens at an agency by nature we often reach out to agencies for many projects and it's a very different world and it's something that I think kind of it used to say you need to round out your resume that way but I think it's very beneficial for marketers to understand how that side of the table works and vice versa.
0: is that I mean, and you don't have to get into this, but is that side of the, the table evolved? I'm assuming ads more now are digital than before, where they're probably more print. Right.
1: Yeah. It used to be much more print. Um, then, you know, when I was at EB, we launched our e-commerce site and it was like, what is that? E-commerce. <laughs> so advanced. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, now everything, you know, I would say 90% of marketing is digital in yeah. nature yeah. Um, at this, at this point. So, um, so, advertising agencies have definitely shifted into that area I and mean, there's agent plenty of agencies that specialize just in um, just in um, social media you know that's its own animal entirely and there's agencies that deal with um, online reputation reputation management and as retailers uh, all businesses really have to deal with what do your online reviews look like, and how does that impact a person's right. uh, purchase decision? So we're jumping it's, around it's again. It's all <laughs> over the
0: place. No, but the <laughs> marketing is all over the place, yeah. and it's one of the things. It's like you know, it's it's more and more difficult today. I be I believe to be a, a solopreneur a mm-hmm. restaurateur, right? Yes, because there's so many things you got to be good at. Like 20 years ago, 30 years ago, you could open a cafe and you know just do a really good job mm-hmm. and have that good job that four walls marketing be enough to bring people in but with all the noise out there today and the competition and more restaurants per capita than ever before right. you know you can't i think it's not it's, it's expected that, that your food's going to be good can you do all the other stuff Right, right, and that's kind of what we're here to talk about—is all the other stuff. So right, just rifle through the experiences real quick. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. No, you're doing it okay. Right?
1: So, advertising agency. Then I uh, worked for a media company in Boston, where I primarily worked on trade shows, um, and shifted then uh, back to the Philadelphia area. I worked for Pet Value, which is a specialty retailer pet food and supplies. Very similar situation to um, to. Honeygrow in that similar footprint. We had kind of the at odds stacked against us. It was a, a retailer that was based in Canada and they didn't really see a lot of growth opportunity here in the U.S. because competition was so great. So we had a, a great team of people, small group, where we were all really motivated and excited to Prove everyone wrong again. Philadelphia mantra, you know. Hold my beer. I got this. <laughs> um, so we uh, so we band together and really uh, um, did great things. We we rebranded the the company. We redesigned the interior. We brought in really exceptional products. Put together a great training program for all of our store. Uh, store employees and in fact everyone in the the company had to go through that even in the in the corporate office and it was about executing an exceptional customer experience and yeah. that's something that I use every day now and
0: and, and it's interesting because you wouldn't you wouldn't expect a, a director of marketing to talk about training
1: mm-hmm.
0: right but why is that tied what's the yeah condition?
1: I mean I think that's part of being involved with a smaller company which is what I love. Yeah. um so we you know training's really important because just going back to what we were saying about so many different ways these days for customers to talk to someone at the company i mean it, Customers get very frustrated. They can't pick up the phone anymore and talk to someone in customer service. It's, you know, everything I'm one of those is jerks. AI. <laughs> I love talking
0: to people. I'm like hardware. Right. I don't do well with technologies. But anyway, well, and most people do like do, People just yeah.
1: want to be heard. <laughs>
0: yeah. And
1: that's important for customers. And so to give them the opportunity to be heard and to show that you're taking their feedback and making a positive change goes a very long way with yeah. with customers, and so, um, so when it comes to training, you know, if someone has a poor experience, then. At-
0: that's for all's marketing, right? right. There. You know, like, <laughs> that's, that's my problems. <laughs> yeah, that's the basics. Um, right. But we think of training. You, you think about like, like you know, one. How do we start this conversation? One team, one dream. Right. Right. So people need to know who what who is the team? What is the team? Where do yeah. we come from? What's our history? What's our story? What are the answers to exactly. these questions that people are going to have? Exactly. And and having those answers, training the people that have an answer, response, not even have to like think about it, but like, oh, I know this answer because I was trained to have an answer for it. Um, that's right. all marketing. You it know?
1: is and. And in marketing, you know, you are really the spokesperson for the company, and what happens within those four walls or online, um, you're responsible for at the very least coming up with a response to satisfy that customer, and make their ultimately making them have a positive experience. So. Understanding what kind of training the employees are going through is very important, and sitting through it ourselves. Just yesterday, the newest member of my marketing team was in one of our restaurants in the Philadelphia area, spent the entire day learning how to work a walk. And um, that's critical. She needs, we all need to go through the steps, understand what the company is all about, what makes the this company special and different in order to market it properly oh. and you know at Honeygrow grow we do think that it's our people it's the uh premier execution of an excellent product that makes us different it's, there's so much competition and, out and it's there. not the
0: easy to do the kind of food you guys are doing to scale like you know wholesome sustainable uh from scratch a lot of your stuff is from scratch food like that's yep hard to scale
1: it is you know, very hard, yeah.
0: uh, and I'm sure that's going to come out. So I know I know after the pet um, retailer, you were yeah. at uh, Victory Victory Brewing Company. Yes. Your first um, food and beverage experience, correct? Yep. Well, I had pet food. I guess oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> two Somebody two legged,
1: again. yeah. F and B experience, yes. So at Victory, um, you know, we were also in a high growth phase. I was hired as their first director of marketing. Um, they had not had one primarily. Pri- Prior to that, so um, my experience there was again growing a team. Um, Really, the the design there was impeccable, which is a a big reason for people making purchases same thing as uh judging a book by its cover right it has to be attractive it has to look great the story on the back of the bottle has to be on point the flavor profiles need to be on point um and so that was that was a fun experience to be able to grow that brand with them and um you know, the amount of products that we put out was incredible. At the end of the day, it was mostly beer, although we did delve into the the food side of things. We had three restaurants while I was there. Um, we created a really amazing um, guided tour, self-guided tour at our Parksburg facility, which is the um, premier um, um well, it wasn't just R& D. R R and d was, was out of a different location, but that's their their center where they made the most beer, the, the biggest brewery that they okay. had. Um, and also
0: they flagship is that the word? You're yeah, for? I
1: mean, I guess it, it was. Flagship was really <clears throat> the original location which was Downingtown but but um, it was the the primary brewery, so the, the largest capacity. And they've since expanded um, into a number of other locations, but um, but we also we created a um, quite a number of CPG products. We had um, ice cream and pickles and beef jerky and pasta, and all of these were we paired with um, local artisanal um, partners, and then they were they were sold locally and. Um, Throughout the footprint, I guess I would say, um, in many situations, so um, so yes, that was that was my first delve into the F and B world. Um, really found it fascinating. Grew the company grew quite a bit. I learned a lot. Gosh, there are so many laws that I didn't realize were in place when it comes to alcohol. I know. So that and was a monster. It's different for every state
0: and city. It's it can it be really so is. Yeah,
1: and especially the big beers that that Victory and a lot of these um, craft breweries are creating. I mean the. The ABVs yeah. are, will knock you out. <laughs> think
0: if it's above five, it starts to get wonky with what you can do. Yeah,
1: I mean, we had some that some of our specialty were close to 14.
0: That's crazy. Mm-hmm. So how what year was it when you left Victory?
1: I left Victory in... 2016, I believe it was. So we're getting
0: close to present day. Mm-hmm. Um, I noticed you're doing about two years every, two to three years every location. Is there is there a strategy as far, as far as career strategy behind that? There's
1: really not. Um, you know, I think in marketing you tend to see more of that and I think it's because people get stale, um, want something new. It's a... You know, the earlier on in your career in marketing, it's a much more creative environment. And as you get further up, it becomes a more strategic and data
0: driven. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I'm, I was looking at that and I was curious. because I think two to three years is good for like a chef too, uh-huh. or like a bartender or right. like or maybe server or whatever, but especially in the back of house or if you're looking to open a restaurant, because it's really important to get that perspective right. to, to see how different people do things to, to grow your arsenal of, of weapons, mm-hmm. right? And, and knowledge and skills, and to find out what your passion is. Uh, the only way you can figure out what you're passionate about is to expose yourself to it. Right. So I think it's, it's good. I mean, a minimum of one year, I would say, because people are investing in you, right? They got to train you. That costs money, and you want, they want to get an ROI on their effort to get you up to where you need to be. So keep that in the back of your mind as you're looking to, to work. But two to three years, I think, is, is a good trade. You know, right. you train me. I give you two to three years, uh, and then you know, I'm not screwing you out of the money that you put into investing into me to get this, this opportunity. But that perspective is so important,
1: right? It really is. And you know, the more that you can experience, and, and this is why agencies. You know, I, I think it's important for a lot of marketers to to try agent being with an agency. In an agency, you're working on one. You, you may have one role you're responsible for one thing but you're responsible for that one thing over multiple clients and so you're constantly having to switch your hat and try to think you're thinking on behalf of that client and so you're constantly challenging your creativity in different ways and and, you know in the marketing world oftentimes you know when you're at that earlier stages of your career and you are really challenging your creative brain constantly you have to mix it up.
0: Yeah. And you've been at HoneyGrow now for um, a little over a year, yep. right? So end of 2021 is when you joined or early 2022? Uh,
1: 2021. April of 2021. Okay. Yeah. 2022 i'm getting my ears so
0: so what happened between 2016 and 2022
1: yeah so i worked for a um supply chain uh i shouldn't say a logistics company um which was really interesting to get very involved in supply chain during covid and you know while the world was going through such a shift and um you know it was a great experience that i rely on a lot today and it makes me understand what's happening in, I mean, we all talk about supply chain. I feel like everyone is mentioning it you know, personally and professionally every day, whether you're having a home Especially renovation right or something yeah. like that, and the, you can't get the wood or cabinetry or whatever. Um, and then here in the restaurant industry, we're all seeing that there's prices going up because of supply chain. And, you know, it's the cost of gas is driving up the cost of, lettuce getting to a restaurant and and things like that so um but under having the experience working for a uh logistics company and understanding how you know a container that's tied up in you know the ocean somewhere what that impact is all along the way and you know that that there just weren't enough containers to move freight and things like that that's supply and demand so all of it it's real. it was really fascinating to work with them and again they were also in a high growth mode which is kind of the trend that you're hearing here
0: yeah i'm curious but part of the 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 narrative you're hearing today as far as being a cause organization is the reducing your carbon footprint Mm -hmm. and uh, a big way to do that is to get things from less far away Right. <laughs> so is is that... Uh, how does your experience with supply chain influence that part of your knowledge?
1: Yeah. I mean, that was the uh, question that I always prayed nobody would ask me when I was working oh, in sorry. marketing there. <laughs> well, I'm not working there anymore, so it's okay. Um, but... Um, you know, how does a logistics company reduce their carbon footprint? That's nearly impossible to do. Their business is, is based moving on things. yeah, yeah. <laughs> burning <And> those,
0: fuel. <laughs> those uh, ships are not fuel efficient. No, I mean they are getting a, they are moving a lot. So like it's the the amount that the, I mean they what do they get like something like a how many miles per gallon to those things I
1: don't even know I didn't deal it's like hundreds with 100s of miles per gallon Yeah I dealt like more in the trucking side no, of wait. things than the than the ocean
0: but It's it's not hundreds of miles it's the other way around it's like a few miles per gallon they they use a lot of fuel it's crazy Yeah uh, but they're moving a lot of stuff so it bounces out a little bit
1: Right and and then it comes back to the old question, you know, as in a consumer based situation, are you going to get your products from overseas for less money, a larger carbon footprint and perhaps not, you know, the most sustainable way to get your products or are you going to, you know, get them domestically and Which reduce your carbon is footprint? a whole nother set of problems. <laughs> right. Exactly. So, you know, you weigh that and you try and figure out what's best and that's really up to the company themselves and how they feel. You know what do you?
0: But I mean, I guess the question is: Is the the cause mm-hmm. great enough to get people to pay an extra two dollars or three dollars than the competitor?
1: No, I think that um, I would say that I'd like to say that most companies would say the cause is great enough. But at the end of the day, it's not up to the company what, to make that decision. It's up to the customer, and it depends what your customer, Bingo. It, yeah, what's your I customer willing to spend. We're getting a little ahead
0: of ourselves, but I think um, and that's one of the things I try to echo here: is that the restaurant industry needs to get back to being influencers. For the, I think it's pretty safe to say that we're hardwired to react to the consumer. Traditionally, absolutely, that's what we do. We're constantly in fear of what the consumer is going to do because they can put us out of business. But I think they're, I think the industry kind of needs to get on the same page and say, Listen, let's lock arms, let's say, and this is the way, you know, like let's move into the future consciously and say, This is what it costs to get you the food that's best for all of us, mm-hmm. meaning the food that's grown next door. You know that that we can have people who are skilled to make it and pay them what they deserve to get paid, but the consumer has to know. It starts with them, and we, need, like I said, I'm getting way ahead of ourselves. But like, what are your thoughts as I'm saying this? Uh, another word as a marketer, <laughs> you know, like, uh, well, at the end of the day, we gotta sell. You well,
1: know? I mean, it's a hard thing.
0: I'm a consumer too, yeah.
1: right? I mean, we all are, and that's what makes marketing really interesting because you have to think like yourself when you're not sitting in your office, um, and so. 100% I want to fuel my body with the most, with the healthiest food that I can, the The most locally grown, because I want it to come, I want to fuel the economy with those local um, farmers and, and purveyors. But um, I also, I don't have an endless
0: pocket you yeah. know I mean well, and the thing is that we have to do it together yeah. because it can't just come from one like I mean it starts with one person and then that you know but it, like I think the the faster we can share knowledge and make an example of each other mm-hmm. and inspire each other and that's why I, I truly believe that you know, like my, my mission same is to tr- inspire empower and transform the industry so we can transform the world because we have to spread this information internally before we can pay it forward to the consumer right, right. anyway derailed over (laughs) back to your story okay
1: so i think i'm at current day yeah um so
0: logistics was the last thing you did before coming here Mm -hmm. so you had a good run there six years i did yeah wow
1: so um why'd you leave um because uh through covid sadly i had to reduce the number of people in my team and Uh. um i went from 10 to one and at the rate the company was growing i wasn't able to do the work i was hired to do yeah. i was you know i was having to spread myself way too thin and wasn't making an impact that i really wanted to make um so i uh found myself here at Honeygrow. and funny um i had talked to a recruiter for the same position a couple right before covid and the position was very similar um, to what it is today, except the, the problem for me was that it was five days of working in Philadelphia Center City. And I live about an hour away from Philadelphia. Wolf. Yeah. So that wasn't going to work. I have three young kids. That wasn't going to work for me. So the conversation didn't go any further when I was told that that was, you know, that was a, a, a non-starter. Um, so I just stuck where I was and I, I was fine with that. Um, and then post-COVID, conversation happened again. And, you know, the world had changed and now it's, uh, now we're in the office about three days a week and that makes a lot more sense for me. So awesome. here I am again.
0: Awesome. Um, and it was your old, um, your old buddy, was it a colleague? Yeah. What was the relationship when you knew the, the person who recruited you for it? I saw him I didn't catch his name Walt Harkins Walt what's his his role here
1: he is the COO okay and um, Walt and I worked together at my very first company uh, or my very very first job I should say at EB Games and so our paths crossed again and I had reached out to him for something professionally related not related to this role and we were talking and he's like you know I think we gotta get you in here what
0: was was his title at EB Games
1: his (laughs) title at EB Games oh gosh Was he doing operations stuff He was uh, part of the store design and planning team, so he was doing construction. Oh, okay. Because I'm thinking to myself, what an interesting leap from
0: EB Games to the food and beverage for you know, a company like HoneyGrow. Um, I don't know. I got a little distracted because it sounded <laughs> interesting. But uh, I think now's a great time to take our first break to thank our sponsors. We'll be right back uh, to talk about what it was like when you got here you know, and, and, and how it's evolved over the time. And uh, I think there's going to be some great nuggets in this. I'm super excited. Awesome. All right. This episode is brought to you by One Huddle. One Huddle is a coaching and development platform using quick burst mobile games to more quickly and effectively level up and fire up your workforce course. One huddle provides a mobile first approach to preparing the modern worker, a library of 3000 plus quick burst skill games, and the option to instantly create personalized content. One huddle is changing the way restaurants develop their workers by transforming the traditional manuals in videos into deceptively simple, highly effective mobile games proven to level up workers quickly. Let's get into some of the facts. So with one huddle, you can onboard employees 45, percent faster than traditional methods. And there's actually a study done by the University of South Florida that has proven you can train your employees 45 percent faster using games on one huddle versus traditional micro learning and video based learning. This new and improved way to educate your staff will translate into increased sales because you're creating more consistency with the guest experience, both front and back of house, i.e. menu development, menu memorized. POS, limited time offers, food costing, things like this, you're looking at a more engaged worker, too, because they're in competition with themselves and the entire organization. This stuff is powerful. Right now, head to www.restaurantunstoppable.com/slash-one like the number one in huddle, like a football huddle. And if you use that link, you can get 90 days access to One Huddle's game shop, which includes 3,000 plus on-demand skill games on everything from bartending to serve safe to the latest Amazon best-selling books and so much more. Again, that's com slash one huddle. And you have to use that link. This is a cost per acquisition agreement, meaning we get paid per lead that goes through that link. So if you are finding value in this podcast and you want to support, please use this link. And it's, it's a testament to how much we believe in one huddle that we're willing to do this. So thank you in advance. We're back and. You just gave us a lot. I got a lot of little crumbs that you left behind, little nuggets of information that I think will help steer the conversation going forward. Because you have such a wide swath of experience within marketing, and what a, like what an asset you are, like ad agency, media companies, uh, uh, distribution, in um, logistics, and I mean, growing teams, marketing teams, the evolution from more print to digital. And like what what that evolution's been like, so like sure. I'm just curious, like where are you today, and how has this this wide swath of marketing experience helped mold the professional you are? So like when you got to Honeygrow, where were where was their marketing? How many locations did they have?
1: Um, okay, so let's see. When I started with Honeygrow a year ago, I believe we had uh, 26 locations, 25 or 26 locations. So and- we've added.
0: Six And they started 2010, 2012? Oh, uh, 2012. 12. I knew yes. saw that somewhere. So we so. are 10 years old. So they went from, you start, so in, in uh, almost 10 years, they went from one location to 26 locations.
1: Yes. And in fact, there was, um, I can tell you the Honeygrow story quickly. Yeah, please. Um, so Honeygrow was founded by Justin Rosenberg, CEO, founder. He is still very much a part of our day to day. I. Talk to him probably 20 times a day um and uh so he started this company be out of his own kind of wellness journey he was working for um he was a financial analyst for a company here in philadelphia living in the life of the cubicle guy and just felt like he could he wanted something different he was kind of over life in the cubicle um and he started you know, throwing some veggies into a salad for lunch, and then he would go home and use leftovers and, and throw those veggies into a wok at dinner. And he was like, wait, I think there's something here. And so he he founded the company based on that concept, really. He went to either 92 or 93 investors with his concept, and they said, nope. And finally, um, the, the, I think it was 93rd, 93rd or 94th, said yes. And um, that investor is still very active today as well. Um, and so Justin started as um, with our first location at 16th Street in Philadelphia. And he has grown it from there into the, the 31 that we have today, 32 next yeah,
0: week. That's pretty ahead of the curve. I mean, right around that time, there was a huge demand for... Uh, healthier options. Mm-hmm. People are becoming much more conscious of what they're putting into their body. Food is no longer something to fill your body, to take the edge off, but it's 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 medicine. You exactly. know, like what you put into your body is a direct result on how you feel. And for people sure. are becoming much more aware of this. Um so I'm a little confused as to like the 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 uniqueness of what he thought he had that nobody else was doing. So what was unique? So he was e- he was making salads mm-hmm. and whatever he didn't finish for lunch, he would just toss in a stir fry
1: yeah and you know would add different grains and things like that that he knew were healthy and that you know he also he had gone plant-based for a while and you know was kind of messing around with some different different things for himself and then that translated very well into honey grow so honey grow um we sell we sell stir fry salads and honey bars so our stir fries are not your typical stir fry and and in terms of marketing this is one of my harder stories to tell especially in a new market where someone is not familiar with the brand so what is a stir fry you think of more of that you know soy sauce and sesame flavoring and things like that and we certainly do have that um and i like to call our sesame um garlic stir fry, I always say that's our gateway stir fry because that's what you kind of expect to get from a stir fry. It's delicious. one of my favorites. Um, Sold. (laughs) And then from there um, we have a huge variety. We have six different sauces that you can choose from. You can create your own. You can, you know, we've got uh, our spicy um, space. Bleh, spicy garlic is one of our best sellers, which is a really a spicy, great flavor that has, you know, even has some pineapple in it, like, not your traditional but still not too far off the mark but then just last year we launched uh, as a seasonal item last spring i believe it was we did the garlic butter chicken mm. and that exploded and did so well yeah, and i saw it's... that
0: i almost got it between <laughs> that or the shrimp caesar i ended up going to the swim but, uh, all
1: right well next time then you can have the garlic <laughs> butter um it's delicious and it sold like crazy typically our our seasonal menu items do not stay on the menu, but we made room for it. Nice. So um, that was a huge seller. And that is, uh, you still get, it's not your traditional, it's not like a scampi type of a flavor, but it is definitely not the more Asian style that you would associate with a stir
0: fry. So do you know the pitch to the investors? What was he going to the investors trying to say, like, this is why it's different. What was different about it? Because it's, there were salad concepts. There are salad then.
1: concepts, a hundred percent. And, but, we are primarily a stir fry concept. It, it. And what makes us different is that, first of all, there is nothing like that out there. There's just not. Yeah. We have fresh ingredients. We have, uh, our noodles are proprietary. Um, they, we have a, a, an egg white noodle. We have a whole wheat noodle that has an insane amount of protein and fiber, yeah. more than any grain bowl that you'll find out there. Um, and then we also have a rice noodle that is gluten-free. And, of course, we have the, the traditional brown rice. And our noodles are what makes us different. Um, they are by far our largest sellers, um, even though, you know, a lot of stir fries are served with rice. Rice is uh, of, of the four bases. That's our, you know, the least. We also offer, you know, you could do a kale base. Um, if you're trying to stay away from the carbs and things like that. So, um, but what makes us different is 100% it's our noodles. Got it. And there's there's nothing like that out there. I mean, we have competitors in this space, but it's interesting. We did a market survey not too long ago, a couple of months ago, and we asked who our competitors were. And from a marketing perspective, <laughs> <laughs> well, um, you know, some people will say something like yeah. that because they think of it as an Asian concept. And, and, maybe that's where the name will guide you, but our menu is not that at all. (laughs) We don't have fryers. We don't have a freezer. We don't have a microwave. It's the freshest ingredients that you're going to get. Um, So, you know, we run through our,
0: so there was an opportunity to be way better than anything that was out there. There There's a a, a void in the market. There is. And he was looking to fill that.
1: Yes, for sure.
0: So when you got here in 2021, 26 locations. Mm-hmm. The we're, Paint the picture of what Honeygrow had grown into. That was fun to say. Sure.
1: <laughs> so through, we are a very tech forward company in that we launched uh, the kiosk concept where you do all of your ordering at the kiosks. We launched that, that before. Yeah.
0: So that was here when you got on, on board. It
1: was. This is how it's always been. Um, you, so
0: when, when did that start? From day one? Day 2012? one.
1: Oh, wow. So yeah. that's,
0: to me, that's a huge selling problem right like a it's especially to marketers because your cost your your labor expense is way lower sure i mean so, not way lower but con- i'm sure it's considerable it helps to not have
1: the- yeah absolutely it definitely does help. and it doesn't it doesn't come without its own challenges though you know now you can come into a honeygrow and you can again mindset has totally changed in the past 20 years since i've been doing this where it used to be that people would want to engage with one another and now people don't want to engage with one another people want to be able to go into a restaurant and leave with their meal either eat it there or take it away and not talk to anybody you don't look people in the eye anymore you don't people don't say hello it's like yeah. a crazy world we live in these days but anyway you can easily go into Honeygrow and you can order everything and not talk to a soul so in many situations, that's a good thing, and yeah. it inc- improves efficiencies and things like that. Um, there is also, you know, we at, the, at our leadership table go back to the conversation all the time that we need to be engaging more with our guests and things like that. And so that kind of goes against the kiosk model. And so it's finding that right balance that... Where our guests are feeling welcome enough, but they're also, they have enough autonomy to yeah. make their own decisions. I think decisions. you got to
0: meet the guests where they're at. Mm-hmm. If they're trying to, if they're making eye contact yep. and smiling with you, then that's the door it is open. They, right. If they're not, if they're looking at their phone, the moment they walk in, they look up to find out where their bag is. They grab their bag and they walk out. Don't start a conversation with them. Like they're right. looking to grab and go.
1: Yeah. Uh,
0: so I think there's, it's like, you just got to be mindful of the situation.
1: Exactly. And so we have that ability and that flexibility, which is nice that, you know, we can can use our, you know, our managers normally are working at the, at at the register as the expo and they're, they're able to kind of get a read on the guest and engage with them if they're, and certainly if someone comes into a HoneyGrow and they look at this kiosk and they think, what the heck do I do now? We 100% have all of our. Uh, all of our employees are looking to make sure that that experience is a very positive yeah, one. Yeah. So we're not leaving anybody hide and dry. Uh,
0: and I was able to figure it out and I'm, <laughs> I break technology. So it's, it's pretty intuitive technology. And um, I had a question. Oh, I was curious. So you open at 10 30. Mm-hmm. Is that across all locations? Is that uniform? Yes. yes. And um, what time do you close?
1: That fluctuates just a little bit, but we're normally uh, normally between nine and 10,
0: nine and 10. Uh, What percentage of your sales are lunch versus dinner?
1: You know, that's something that's really been interesting over the past couple of years as things have... Well, for two reasons, we've seen a big shake up there. Um, It's really 50-50. It used to be a lot stronger on our lunch portion. um, And that was... Because people were in the city and they were working in the city, we also had more city locations. Yeah.
0: So where I'm going with this is, it, I, I don't think people don't want to talk to people anymore, but I think that there. There's a, an opportunity. There's a, a, a what's the word? A demographic of individual who's just going, and they need that. They they still need to eat. Right. So they, they want to be able to order on their phone 20 minutes before they get there, grab it and go and be efficient and eat it on like the, the train or like in the car. Absolutely. Sure. Like their next thing. And that's, thing.
1: I mean, the rise in third party. Yeah. And so, same so, things happening so, there.
0: Yeah. So I think what's happening is that the industry is just diversifying to mm-hmm. meet the, the unique needs of individuals with the, 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 the increased accessibility to convenience. So right. if, if the convenience is there, if the technology is there to serve convenience, then there's an opportunity to fill that void for the people who want convenience. There's still people that want to go out and sit down and know the name of the bartender, right. and like that's still around too. Absolutely. I just think we're fragmenting the industry. Sure. So like it's not like it's like the end of the world. It's just like there's just so much more room for diversity in options.
1: Right, and that's why you know I I say that we you know we have to find that balance, and I yeah. think that we're doing a pretty good job of that. Where you know. We recognize if someone comes in and they look confused, we're going to, you know, nip that in the bud and and explain to them how this whole thing works, Um, especially as we go into new markets. That's really important for us. And when it comes to, um, you know, somebody who's been at a HoneyGrow multiple times, oftentimes they do know at least, you know, enough to to make the connection who that manager is or our our team knows who those guests are, are more regular customers and things like that. Um, and so, you know, we, we are definitely aware of, um, you know, the importance of engaging with those customers when, when, you know, they want it.
0: Yeah. So when you came here in 2021, Mm -hmm. uh, and you, you looked at this company through your marketing lens and you're looking like, Ooh, I like that. Ooh, maybe we can shift this a little bit. Ooh, that could probably improve or I don't know how I'm going to make that better. Like what, 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 what's that landscape look like for you?
1: So the marketing, uh, seat at Honeygrow had been a bit of a revolving door and I think that's you know that that wasn't only with Honeygrow at that time that was coming out of COVID and almost everyone I know in the marketing industry was interested in making some sort of a change, and I think that that probably isn't just marketing. I think that was, it was lots forced. of people. It yeah. wasn't an option. It you was forced. Yep. Yeah, or there were some. You know, there's changes in in the di- the work dynamic of you know where are you working. Some people wanted to be home. Some people didn't want to be home, and and those changes you know make you look elsewhere.
0: So it sounds like HoneyGrew Grow was um, pretty well set up for the pandemic.
1: Exactly. Yep. That's just where I was going to go. Um, we we were set up very well for the pandemic because we already had curbside delivery. We already had the contactless um ordering platforms we had an, an app that made that all very easy. So we were definitely set up for what was to come unknowingly.
0: And the food travels really well too. It does.
1: Yeah. It does. Um we had relationships with third party, all of that was already underway.
0: So I'm curious, did did Honeygrow experience growth before like like where were they at 2020 for example? You were at 26 locations in 2021 but we're was that for them a time to go get it? Like, places are closing. Let's go fill those voids because, we're like, we're making money.
1: Well, at that time, you know, I, I'm not sure that I would say that, that the pandemic was a positive experience right. for us because everyone pulled back, yeah. right? I mean, everyone's spending was, was being much more cautious people were afraid. So, I mean, remember when we were, like, wiping down our yeah. takeout with yeah. Clorox wipes? Like, how crazy was that? <laughs> I mean, we were all going through this very uncertain time. Was that uncertain out of time. fear or out
0: of, regu- or out of uh, what's the word? Um, that was regulatory, wasn't it? I don't, was it? I don't remember. I think remember. We, we had to do those I, things. It's I don't know. I could be I wrong. Try to but block but out that part of my life.
1: <laughs> yeah. Somebody was afraid. I, <laughs> but, I but mean, you, you know, we, I, I mean... I remember leaving my groceries outside for three days to make sure that they were okay. I mean, it was just very different. So so the restaurant industry, as you know, I mean, definitely was hit very hard. So I wouldn't say that we grew during that time, but we did take time... Um and this was before I was here but Justin and Walt and the rest of the leadership team they would have regular meetings um I I from what I've heard multiple times a day in some situations talking about what can we do how can we get past this how can we you know that's when we launched Honey Grow at Home which is um still a, a part of the brand that we're looking forward to growing more but it's an opportunity for our guests to take our noodles and our sauces home and then they can add their own um, proteins and vegetables as, as they like make their own stir fries at home so that was launched during that time you know as many um, restaurants were becoming creative about yeah. how do we keep those sales going um but there were multiple phone calls every day with the leadership team to try and figure out what, what other creative ideas they could come up with. And they also took that time to look within and figure out, you know, what, what is our growth strategy? We know we're going to get through this, but what do we do? How do we get ourselves ready to explode once we get through this? And so that kind of leads us to where we are today. We um, So we were at 26 restaurants through the pandemic, um, we opened. We've opened six or seven since then, and we are uh, on path to open a total of twelve. Yeah, this you're year.
0: thirty-two. So a big part of growth is building the house before you move into it. Yep. Were you a part of that? That new home that was being built? Did the, the corporate or executive suite of people that are going to come in and help provide that growth?
1: Um, you know, they didn't really clean house and start over anything like that so it was a gradual addition of in of new um leadership really um and many were hired from within a couple of new people things like that over the last several years so it it wasn't like a it wasn't a complete restructure or anything like that um, we moved from a big facility that we need, that was on the other side of town that we really just didn't need all of that space. And, and that was part of looking, looking within and seeing what truly was necessary. So a,
0: a year ago, did you, when you started, did you know that you were trying to get to 20 more locations in two years?
1: Cause, um, cause we you... were building that out. Yes. Okay. Yes. So, yes.
0: so what, was the, what was the marketing strategy when you got here? What did that look like?
1: So when I got here, I was pretty much starting from scratch, being 100 percent honest and transparent. Um, so they didn't
0: really have a marketing plan, but with 26 locations,
1: they had things that they had been doing for some time, and it was working. Like so, um, you know, we had seasonal seasonal menu changes and uh, different ways that they were going to launch those. Um, there was social media was in place and making sure that we were.
0: When you say in place, what did it look like?
1: Those those channels were set up. So, so we had, had so we had Instagram, we had um uh, instagram we just started tiktok we had facebook page um twitter it's good
0: for a year i mean i guess tiktok it's been about a year things were yeah we out. did
1: we started on tiktok pretty early um and so you know and i think that that's a tough space for for restaurants at least at this point but we wanted to get in early and and Figure see what out. we could yeah. yeah we wanted to be uh first to market yeah. on tiktok um but yeah, so so we had social media channels in place. We did have someone who was running our social media at the time, um, and so um, we had you know we had all of the marketing vehicles there. We well, had email what campaigns. L- what did
0: running the social media look like? Was there a strategy? A minimum amount of posts? A time to post? Like, that was, was all like-
1: being figured out. Okay. kind of at that time, there wasn't a certain. I mean, we we posted as often as we could. Um, and I think social media is hard that way you you want to post every day and sometimes that's necessary, but sometimes that's overkill and finding the balance is is a tough thing and I think. The, the algorithms are constantly changing for social media. So it's not only how much are, how often are you posting? It's how much are you spending on whether it's an ad or if, it, if you're boosting a post and, and, you know, is it a reel on Instagram or is it a static post? Because the algorithms change so often and the, you know, Instagram wants certain type of content over others and they're going to show that to different uh, to their to their viewers and um, on a different frequency.
0: Yeah. So when you came here, when you started looking at the the marketing landscape that mm-hmm. grow had at that time, like what did what, what was your internal narrative? Like, wh- where do I start? Like, and what's next? And how do we make this better? Like, what was that looking
1: like? Yeah. So when I started, we had um, one other person in marketing. And we had one social media intern. And since then, both of those individuals have moved on, um, which was a shame because they were both wonderful. But it also gave me the opportunity to look within and kind of figure out what does this team need? How are we going to reach these growth goals? And so we added a field marketing specialist, which was a great hire for, and, and definitely a need for the company. So a field marketing specialist is someone who is kind of the liaison at the local level with the, the managers and getting involved in the local community and figuring out how to um, grow the brand locally as opposed to from, you know, where I am, the, you know, the, the
0: big picture right and yeah.
1: and the strategy for the brand is one thing but the strategy for each individual restaurant is different it depends if it's a city location or if it's a suburban location the, how do you,
0: the, yeah how do you tailor the message
1: yeah it's going to be very different um and you know is it a university campus lo- or you know a college campus location because that makes a big difference also so it's it's getting very local and so that so that is our field marketing specialist is um, was a really important hire. She also has a background and she has been a GM, not of a Honeygrow, but of a another um, fast casual restaurant uh, with similar philosophies. So she had that background as well as a marketing background. So that was a perfect fit because so, you can't expect a GM to leave their four walls. To go do some of this grassroots marketing work that needs to be done in order to grow a brand in a new market.
0: I mean, it's just so, like, marketing is getting so and so complex. Like, and just, it's not. Even within the, the each of the, the verticals that there are, it's like you have to master the right way to use those tools. Like there's so many little nuances mm-hmm. within those tools that, like that influence the algorithm. Like are you creating the posts within Instagram? Are you using their assets to create those posts? Like right. it's just so like it just it just makes you like if, if you're not somebody who likes to I have to use the analogy of like scrapbook, if you're not a scrapbooker you know like right. you're probably not going to thrive in that that vertical of social media so like stay in your lane I think I think today's age, you need to outsource for social media. That's what I do because I absolutely hate. I, I don't mind looking at the, the social media feeds. I'm like everybody else. I get distracted. It's entertaining. I laugh. But don't make me create that level of shit like four times a day. Go F off. Like, come on. Seriously. Like, is this what I have to do to be successful? Because oh, my gosh. You're if that's preaching the case, the choir. it's like, holy shit. What are we doing? Anyway, I digress. Um, so, but it's
1: the truth. Yeah. It is absolutely the truth. We had a social media um, intern who we hired as a. Time and um, it's the same, it, it's exactly what you're saying. It is a lot of work and constant creativity to go out and figure out how to what is our strategy, how do I create this new and different content, how many times can you show a noodle pool. Yeah. Um, and it's you know, we live it and breathe it, and we get sick of it, but our our guests, our followers are not seeing it every single time we post it. And we have to keep that in mind. So that is you know, that's something that I reiterate all the time. It doesn't matter what we like. It matters what's going to resonate and what our guests like.
0: Is that a problem that we have to like act a way that we want so other people will like us? Why can't we just act the way we want to Well I don't
1: think you I don't think it's a matter of acting differently. I think it's just um You have to look at, you know, in terms of social media, it's it's what is going to get someone you're still portraying the food in the same way. You're still telling the same story. You're just telling it in a way that is going to get them to respond a little differently. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You know, it's like anything else. It's seeing the forest through the trees. I mean, I sit we're sitting in a a restaurant right now and I sit in this restaurant multiple times a week and I could tell you. Things that other guests, you know, I'm probably not seeing things that other guests are that come in the same time. You just. Anybody who listens
0: to the show knows that my despise for social media and the (laughs) world that we're being thrust into without really an option. And we really don't have an option. I think that's my issue. I'm going to try to dampen my emotions as much as possible because I'm here to learn and to hear your perspective of why we should use it and the benefits of it and stuff like that. So I'm going to try to be unbiased as much well, as possible. Well, we we have hired
1: a, a, just our most recent hire who I was telling you before was just in doing her training day in the restaurant yesterday. She's our social media coordinator. Um, digital, uh, digital marketing, I think, is her official uh, title. And she is doing a phenomenal job. So she comes from an agency background where she worked on multiple clients and always having to really challenge that creativity and coming up with different campaigns and different social media content for many, many different clients every day. And so now she's working with just one brand, which was something that she felt she wanted to do after she was working on many clients. And she's coming up with some really funny, great content um, and just Testing. Yeah. I mean, that's the most important thing I think in marketing these days. If you're working with a company that's small enough to still do the test, do the yeah. test. I
0: think that that is one of the silver linings for me with social media and marketing is that if you are a creative person, because everybody needs to do this today, it's creating so much opportunity for people in a world where um, a lot of res- a lot of roles are going away to automation and robotics. They still can't create well they used to. Now AI is kicking the shit out of them. Anyway, it's another vertical (sighs) I digress back to the four people that you had Yes. that you have when you came here it was just you right
1: yeah well we had two other people who have both moved on um, and we've kind of started from scratch since then in terms of creating the roles so it was
0: you Mm -hmm. it was your field person no she is new
1: she's new yep so when I when I started it was myself social media intern who then became full time and then also a marketing manager
0: and marketing managers. That's three people. That's three people. So
1: we've since changed that. So now it's myself. We have a graphic designer, which we were outsourcing before, and now that's all internal. Okay. We also have a field marketing specialist, which is a new role entirely. Um, That was not something we had before, but desperately needed. And then we have a digital marketing coordinator who handles our... Uh, all aspects of digital, uh, be it social media, email, and um, anything.
0: So, your digital marketing SCL coordinator is the woman kind of you stuff. were just talking about, mm-hmm. super creative. So, yeah. you, graphic designer, field person, digital marketing coordinator. Correct. All right, and that's now. Um, so, how what what has the evolution over the past year? Like, what what's the struggle been for you trying to to restructure, rejigger the organization from a marketing standpoint?
1: Um, I think it's. I think the hard part for me has been filling the figuring out what roles we need, because in one year, that's a lot of change. So figuring out, first of all, the company, where we're going, what resources on the marketing team we're going to need in order to reach those goals, then finding the people to fill those roles that have the experience and you know, when you're in a small organization like honey grow is with this high growth, you don't have the time to, hire somebody who's fresh out of school that doesn't have the experience you need to hire somebody who has enough experience that they can hit the ground running and i love nothing more than mentoring people that are young in their career and i um you know love having the opportunity to talk to people who are fresh out of college and i love listening to the ideas that they have um because that's our future but in this particular situation, I needed to have people who were over those first couple of years where they could really come in and make an impact quickly. So that was an important piece in finding the right individuals. We also needed people that were going to fit with the brand and fit with our culture. Um, Honeygrow is a small, I keep saying small because we are lean, but that's really an important piece to our growth is being able to have the right personality and cultural fit in order to grow. Um, we are, we work really hard, but I, I tell everyone that, you know, Justin is the kind of guy that will shut down a room so that the, brand new employee who has been with the company for five minutes has their opportunity to talk and he values every single person's opinion yeah so it's really important that we have people that are able to speak their mind and another thing that justin tells everyone is manage up and and he really believes that you can have a very heated conversation with him and he takes that He takes that feedback and makes changes if it's warranted. And that's not something you find every day. So it's a special place. Um, I've worked at a lot of, uh, you know, consumer-focused organizations over the years. And there's something very unique and very special about HoneyGrow. So finding the right fit for HoneyGrow, you know, that, that took time. And I'm really excited because we've now found the this team that works together really well, all personalities click and we are ready to hit the ground running. So now we, so now it's been a year I've filled those roles. Um, our most recent hire started end of March. So literally a couple of days before my one year anniversary here. And now I feel like I'm finally at the point where I can focus on the strategy and the higher level, um, programs that need to be, uh, really dealt with improved um, things that need to be set up for our future growth and to remain competitive in the market.
0: So when you're giving me this list of people that you have internally, so you field, sorry, graphic designer, your field person, your digital marketer, it sounds like a lot of these efforts, the people that you're surrounding yourself with are more towards, when I see that, I think social, social media with maybe the accession of, of of a graphic designer where you need that in-house or like, whether it's print or digital. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm assuming that when you got here, things like branding, like uh, the other, all the other stuff, the the other, what is it? Product, price, promotion. Yeah. (laughs) Good job. (laughs) Am I missing one? Product, price, people, promotion, and there's one more I'm missing. Um, Packaging. Yeah. Yes. Where was all that stuff?
1: Sure. So that was all price. Um. Price and product, certainly, those were in place. They've been in place. Um, Pricing is not dealt with through marketing. That's dealt with in in a different department. Um, And product, uh, we all, that is also really a a leadership decision, but that is um, dealt with through our culinary team.
0: So you're looking at packaging and promotion?
1: Packaging, promotion,
0: People we talked about earlier, there's a little bit of a connection with the people Mm -hmm. because they need to be trained to deliver. There's some overlap there. But you're really focusing on uh, branding and promotion. Is that safe to say?
1: Yes. Um, And, you know, well, so the brand, the the name HoneyGrow, the logo, that has been intact. Um, And I don't know that any of that will ever change. Um, There's been a couple of taglines that have changed over the years, and that's very normal and natural. Um, but when we hired our graphic designer, he um, has made such an impact on the brand. He is incredibly creative, very talented. He has a great illustrative um, way about about his design. He has, you know, he's a, a painter. He he does all of these great things, and he was able, in my opinion, he's brought the brand up. To an entirely different level yeah. And that's We've continued to talk about Elevating the brand um, Internally And that's something That's important for us So um, Honey grow is the, the common term That we we use In honey grow Over and over Is create So our number one Seller on our menu items Is the create your own We have a Create your own stir fry And create your own Salad and honey bar We um, We are we try to really push the creative side of everything we do. Why is that? Um, you know, I think Justin, that was part of Justin's original concept is that he's he's a creative person as well. And so, we want to make every Honeygrow experience a little bit unique. We're sitting in this restaurant right now and, and there's a mural next to us. And all of these words on the mural, and this was done by a local, local painter, um, every word on here is really funny because... The the artist was sitting in a honey grow and kind of wrote down all these different phrases that she heard people saying, and your listeners aren't going to fully get it, but but some of them are really funny, Um, what, what you overhear in a conversation. And this is just one of our murals, but we have 31 locations, and every one of them has a mural done by a local artist or by Andrew himself and that makes us unique and it gives a little bit of a creative feel to the brand um so we've been trying to find our balance between you know visually we have these really beautiful products this um you know fresh ingredients and craveable dishes and wholesome um, meals that you can share with friends and family and how do we showcase that along with this creative side of things? And so, you know, Andrew has done a really great job of bringing our brand, um, a combination of this great photography and his own personal touch on, you know, using his hand drawn illustrations and things like that. So he has brought the brand up in a major way, in my opinion. Um, and, and, you know, you said that you used our kiosk not too long ago and, he, just on Monday, we we launched that new kiosk across all restaurants and everything. You know, we we thought about sending that out and having that project done externally, but instead we kept it inside and really had full control over it. it Might have taken a little while longer. I'm Curious but
0: about the technology behind that. Mm-hmm. Who who creates that? Who's your so we provider? do
1: work with we have we handle our technology um, partially internally and then we have a third party partnership, really. I I would even hesitate to call them a third party because we we work so closely with them. Um, But it's a, a company that we partner with that does the programming side of things. So all of the design work is done internally through our when graphic you design, designer. talking
0: about user experience design?
1: Yes, exactly. I mean, well, like the actual, yes, like, but...
0: The, the, like what, it, what the screen, what's correct. on the screen. What's
1: on the screen, where you are... Yes, the user experience, where you're hitting that kiosk and what comes up next and how that transition and if there's animation and all of that kind Up-selling. of
0: Upselling, what you guys... Upselling. And I think a lot of people, when they think about robotics and kiosks, they're like... Well, you lose the user experience, you lose the curiosity, you lose the opportunities to upsell by asking questions. And this thing is really, I noticed it's really good about getting ahead of you of like, do you want more protein? Do Mm -hmm. you want extra sauce? Do you want, some people, we notice people order this. Right. Like, so... There is upselling happening, and um, I'm a sucker for it. Oh yeah, give me that extra protein. You know, like <laughs> I'm sure you probably out from where the original cost of an item is to like what actually they're paying for by the time they go through all the upselling is probably on average the difference of a couple dollars. I would, I would assume.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know what that number is offhand, yeah, but certainly, I mean, that's that's <laughs> what we. That's what every every retailer and every restaurant is, is going to probably I'm, I'm do. Really,
0: I'm curious about this company that you're working with who helps create that user experience. Can yes. you share the name of that company? So
1: the user experience is designed entirely Internally, by us, by okay. by, I say I'm giving myself way too much credit. I really have nothing to do with it. It's Andrew, who's okay. our graphic designer, has done a remarkable job. So the entire um, user experience is done that way, um, and then the the partner that we have does the programming behind it. So they're kind of behind the scenes,
0: and we're not allowed to say the name of that company. Uh, okay, I'll try it. We're, we tried. Um, so. So it seems like um, I mean, with all the experience you had with ads and media, um, the background you had uh, in logistics with the the, the, the supply chain, um, I'm curious to know how that's serving you now because it seems like a lot of your efforts is put towards social media. Is where a lot of the energy is going?
1: Well, it is, and that's that's how I don't want to make it just about over. social media. No, so. it's not really. I mean, that is very much a, a large part of it, but you know. With social media, um, it's funny. we all put so much focus on social media, and I think it's because we have it in our pocket all the time
0: it's the It's the most bang for your buck right now
1: it is yeah. but what you know what we can't lose sight of, and I would argue that many companies are in the same situation, is that you know there's an email audience that still exists, and in Directly our in world. Room. Yeah, I'm, I mean...
0: That's one thing that hadn't come up yet, so I was curious about that, too. So I would, I'm going to re- retract my previous statement. I think four walls marketing is the best best bang for your bar, buck. The people that are in your organization creating those experiences every day because that's going to be what brings people back. Right. And that's where you make your money.
1: Exactly. Uh, and
0: then from there, I think it's direct mail marketing still is huge. And then from there, I think social media is like right on the heels of uh, direct mail marketing. Would you agree with that Well, I hierarchy? think it's
1: kind of different... Um, Depending on whether you're working with a, a new lo- like a new market, new we call them NROs, a, a new restaurant, um, or if you're dealing with an existing restaurant, um, when it comes to the new restaurants, it's really about making noise in that neighborhood, How do you make um, noise? and that is very much at the. On premise, um, that is where you're having a grand opening. That's where your boots on the ground, and um, you know our field marketing specialist is going out and walking into businesses and introducing the brand that way. You know, those are about all this field important. marketing.
0: Uh, like, yeah, what's the job description? I'm interested in becoming your new field marketing person. What am I reading? What's the job description? About so
1: that person is uh, meeting with the GMs, talking with them about what's happening in their local community. We have one field marketing specialist. She cannot be at all 31 locations every day or even every week. Um, so she goes out and she has phone calls. She talks to these... GMs, uh, She talks to the district managers, what restaurants, you know, prioritizing, which restaurants are going to need more help than others. And those that might need a little extra marketing push, she's going out there and she's meeting with the she's meeting with the GMs in the store. She's driving around the local community, trying to figure out the lay of the land and where there might be opportunity.
0: What is she looking for?
1: She's looking for opportunities to introduce the brand to new customers. So it could be, it could be, we do a lot of fundraising. Um, So is it finding out where, how close schools are and um, seeing if they want to host a fundraiser?
0: So this is like the gorilla market.
1: It is gorilla. It's exactly what it is. It's going into doctor's offices and introducing the fact that we have catering and giving them a menu and letting them know like, Hey, if you're, ordering catering for through one of your yeah. pharmaceutical reps don't forget about us or, yeah. or give us a shot It's kissing babies
0: it's, shaking hands yeah and taking orders it
1: is and you know what <laughs> it's a it's a very competitive space right now yeah. fast casual and we have not everyone knows what we do um, and you know we live and breathe it every day and we Think obviously everybody knows Honeygrow, but that's not the case. And again, we have to think like our customers. And we're, you know, when you look around a shopping center, you might see a Honeygrow, but you might see two or three other fast casuals as well, which is fine because we need variety. We can't all eat the same thing every day. Yeah. But you, but we have to tell people who we are and what we do and what makes us different because we are different. I mean, even today, we did a customer survey and we asked who our competitors were. Because we think we know who our competitors are, but they may think something very different. And in fact, that's what we found. What are
0: the benefits? Of what? We said earlier that... um a professor gave you this yes. knowledge that you're selling benefits, so you, you, you're different. Right. So when you're oh, on so the what ground, what are the benefits when you, of when Yeah, when you're doing this guerrilla marketing, when you're going out to all these different offices and buildings and places that are potential customers or catering mm-hmm. options, like what is the set? Like what are you se- like? How are you selling it?
1: So we're different. I mean, that's the number one thing is we are not like any other fast casual. There is not another stir fry place. You can have sandwiches. All day long, you can have salads all day long, and yes, you can get a salad here, and you can get if you order catering. Perhaps that's going to go on the side of your your stir fry platter, um, but but it's something different. It's but unique. what are the
0: benefits of what you're doing? Why should I care about the different? Like what, what what's in it for me, Amy? We are <laughs>
1: well, Eric. Um, the um, we have. I'm on the bare, no, this great. is no, this is exactly <laughs> what I I should be selling all day long. But if you look at and I'm struggling because I'm looking at a yeah. menu right now and <laughs> your guests are not your, your listeners are not. But there's nothing on our menu over uh, 750 calories. Yeah. That's not necessarily done on purpose. But it is important to know, right? Yeah. Um, We just we have you leave Honeygrow feeling very full because of the protein and the fiber in the food that you're eating. You you're fueling your body with really healthy and nutritious ingredients, and so you can go to Honeygrow and feel good about what you're eating. I mean, you think about the average the average person is supposed to consume a 2000 calorie diet right you can feel good about going to grove for lunch or dinner it's
0: and still being be, right yeah. if you
1: had to chop that up into three at uh, three meals you can still feel very confident about what you ate and feel good
0: about you don't that. have to count calories you can just eat because you right. know it's exactly on this menu.
1: yeah I and mean, I don't know about you but sometimes I'll go, tell that
0: to people use that as a benefit yeah that's <laughs> that's exactly right
1: but I go into restaurants all the time I'm like shoot I wish they didn't put the calorie count on there because yeah. I really wanted to eat that and now I'm not going to right, right.
0: Um, uh, but
1: we don't have to worry about that so everyone feels good about
0: it what I'm trying to do is give the listener some inspiration of when they're thinking of their product like what is in it for the consumer like what are the benefits and like that was very those examples were very helpful so thank you for getting into that um so i mean i wanted to make sure we got anything else because i have a feeling the rest of our conversations and we talking about social media and what you're doing with social media what that strategy looks like um we have i mean i I just want to make sure that there wasn't anything else that you are uniquely suited to discuss in the world of marketing that i don't want to not leave it on the table
1: um well you know that I don't know if there's anything uniquely suited to me, but there's, um, but there are other areas of marketing that are really important. Um, especially in the restaurant space. Um, PR is very important, especially with, um, you know, with all of these reviews that are out there Um, with so much interaction with the guests about, you know, I mean, it's human nature. People don't tell you when they've had a wonderful experience. I mean, that's what you're supposed to have. Right. So people want to be heard when they're annoyed. Yeah. So, um, you know, reputation management is really an important piece of of marketing these days and monitoring those online reviews and you know how to responding to them in a way that best suits your restaurant, um, that whatever is in line with what your, you know how how the restaurant chooses to respond. Um, I'm and- sure when
0: you have 26 locations or now 32 locations, uh-huh. you must be getting. Messages every day.
1: Yeah, we have a full time guest response um, individual. I'm
0: adding that to your list of team members. Guest uh, response. Sh- that's that?
1: actually not in marketing. Oh, really? Um, it's not. But
0: what is that? What, what
1: that be? Uh, it's under operations. Okay. Yeah. Um, obviously, there's quite a bit of crossover, and we do get a lot of feedback. And that's their through job. Our, mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah.
0: That poor person.
1: <laughs> <laughs> She's amazing. Um, this is a
0: human pincushion. <laughs> So you know, going. I
1: mean, we're, we're lucky. We do yeah. get a fair amount of people telling us how positive their experience was. Yeah. And um, so so I should retract my prior statement, but I think it's human nature to yeah. to tell people when you're unhappy versus when you
0: are happy. So are you using any tools to get ahead of those negative responses.
1: I mean, the best thing that you can do is that training and execute, giving an awesome experience, executing a superior product. And so that's what it goes back to, you know, being, uh, quick and providing fast and accurate service every single time.
0: Any guest feedback solution software that you're using?
1: There's really, I mean, we don't use any, there are, we do, we use a tool, um, I, called Yext which is um, very popular and that is more of an, ag- we use it as an aggregator okay. so all of the you know you can respond to a review or you can write a review on many different platforms and so it streamlines, streamlines so it's those.
0: dashboard to have all it of those It is, exactly.
1: It's a dashboard but okay. we respond to every single review and as and an individual. Yext? Yext. Y-E-X-T-Y. Y-E-X-T-Y.
0: So have you heard of like um, so I'm thinking the, the company that's specifically coming to mind is Ovation. Have you heard of Ovation? Sounds uh, familiar. I'm going to give them a little plug. They okay. are a sponsor. Uh, but they, they're a sponsor because they've been recommended a bunch of times. And it's basically exactly before you leave, you get prompted to basically write a review. Okay. But it, what they're trying to do is to get you to, to leave your your bad experience with that app first. Right. So you get it out of your system before you go blow them up. Okay. And all those, but you're also collecting email, text message and you're it's becoming a platform just to now communicate with your guests mm-hmm. and just to, to like it's just so it's it's a very powerful tool. I was just curious if you're doing anything like that uh, or not but
1: we're not. We do have a we we send a survey to every customer after they've re- after they've placed their order as long as we have their email. Um, we do send a survey asking for their feedback about how their order experience went. So I guess in that respect then that it, it it does a similar a similar type of thing where we're hoping that the you know we we'll, we haven't thought about it in that way that we hope that the bad review stays there um but we take all of that feedback that we get very seriously Got
0: it. Uh, what about direct mail marketing? Um, what are your, what verticals are you looking at?
1: So we don't do direct mail currently. Um, we've considered it. It's still very expensive. So you know, really, the paper better goods. way to do that are pad, paid digital ads through social yeah. media. So when
0: I say direct mail marketing, I think the w- three that come to my mind are direct mail, like literally like paper, mail, right? Mail, Old school email and text message. Okay,
1: yeah. yeah. So um, email marketing, we do quite a bit of email marketing. Uh, we target our guests. Um, Probably about once a week, depending on what the message is. Certainly if there's something that's more, uh, that is timely and needs to get out, we'll do it more often. Are you segmenting? Um, Yes. Yeah, we definitely segment by location. Um, I'd like to get to be doing more segmenting based on things like, you know, allergy and dietary preferences, things like that. Um, so there's a lot of opportunity, I think, for us when it comes to email marketing. Email marketing is a tough thing because right now it's really about how good is your subject line. If your subject doesn't get them to open it, it doesn't matter what's inside. I mean,
0: I think that's one of the reasons why I love SMS marketing, text text you know, mm-hmm. or text message marketing, uh, because it has like a 90% open rate. Yeah. It's crazy the open rate. Like if you're doing a 20% open rate with email, you're doing great. Yeah. Um so yeah, anyway. Um so are you, are you looking We're to, not
1: we're not doing text messaging yeah. at this point. Um I go back and forth about it personally. Um I do think that it, it could be a little works, intrusive, but it's intrusive. Yeah,
0: I, I see that.
1: Yeah. Um I, I don't know. I'm still of the thought process that my my cell phone is my personal phone. Like I don't want, I can't stand when people send me or email me or text me for like, they've got my phone number from God knows where for a work purpose. Then I'm really like, all right, you're really not talking to me. And then you
0: get that text (laughs) when you're a block away. Weird.
1: Right. (laughs) I mean, however, I will say that the marketing side of me finds that completely fascinating. And I love that idea. So I don't know what the future holds for us um, with regards to text messaging. There's certain parts of that that I would like to explore and do more with. Yeah. We do have we have an app, and um, if you sign up for our push notifications, we will send them.
0: So is that how you're building your email list? Is that the primary way?
1: It's interesting. Um, it is our primary way. Uh, so everyone who downloads our app is part of our loyalty program, and our loyalty program is another thing that I wanted to mention is a really important part of yeah, the mix good. right now. Um, I think most companies, it's a, it's a hard thing right now because companies are restaurants are really watching their dollars as we come upon kind of this uh, who knows what's coming with the economy right a little bit of uncertainty so trying to pull back in different ways and more and more companies are pulling back on their their loyalty program they have people that have signed up and they're making noise about that and it's making they're they're seeing results but they're making it more challenging to get the reward and that has happened with. I mean, it's been on the news like crazy. I think Chick Fil A just did it. Dunkin' so Donuts has done it. Up, Starbucks bait has done it. And
0: switch. is that Well, of, it's
1: it. No, it's not being switch It's they. You sign up for the program, and then they changed the, the terms. Yeah. And they're not changing it because you signed up. They're just changing, they're changing it because, it because the they, they need. right because it's too expensive up. for them to and continue. I, again, in that I think it goes
0: back to the consumer. It's like chill the fuck out, like. Listen, like we live in a dynamic yeah. world, things change. What we can offer you today might not be what we could offer you yesterday, right? And people need to understand that, like, they feel so violated. It's like, do you live in a bubble? And most people do, it's called social media, right? <laughs> so, I don't know, like, anyway, I, I digress, well, I go kind of crazy over this stuff sometimes. No, the more and you learn about important. marketing, the more it can drive you I crazy. I know you're yeah. telling me, yeah.
1: Um, but when but the the loyalty programs, I mean, that's a hard thing. When you're inevitably, you're going to make a change at some point to your program, making it stronger or, for the consumer or not, um, because they're going to get bored. So you're yeah. going to have to switch it up. Yeah. But it's a matter of you know, it's a lot of it is perception. And then you know, I know as a consumer, if I sign up for a loyalty program and I'm excited to get this free item, and then the terms change, well for the worse for me it's a bad then, experience right it's a bad experience yeah. and then your loyalty to that company kind of goes down so um, we have not it's a changed. slope it is yeah. it's hard yeah. so we have not changed our loyalty program our. our in fact we strengthened our loyalty program ah. last year we switched to a new we switched to a, a, a new um, program entirely and we that? just um, yeah so right now our program is you get a dollar for every point that you spend wait you get a point for every dollar that you spend and uh when you get to 25 you get a free um a soda or bubbler fountain drink when you get to 75 you get a free brownie which brownies at honey grow if you've not had one you're missing out oh my god they're so good (laughs) and then when you get to uh, 125 then you get a um a free stir fry or salad so
0: So that's a it's, like ten
1: percent, exactly. Yeah. Yep, exactly. So uh, it's actually a little more. It can go up to I think it's thirteen dollar value. So, um, so it's a decent, um, it's it's a decent program, and it's much more lucrative um, for the guest than many of our competitors are. So, I mean, that's a big deal for us as our loyalty program and strengthening that. So we are. So we're constantly building our email program by way of our loyalty program, you know, Mm -hmm. signing up for our loyalty program, you're opting into the signing up for our loyalty, you opt into our email.
0: So what is your point of sale? Because it's not, it's not obvious when you look at the interface, but is it behind the scenes? Is it a more commonly known point of sale? Like, is it, is your interface tied to like a toast? Or oh, or oh like a I see what you're saying. Yes, yes, okay. it is. Is it it's toast? T- it's toast. So are you using the toast loyalty? Um, no, platform? we're not. What do you using? We use a program called punch. Punch. Why punch?
1: Um, that was a program that was selected before I started, right before I started. Yeah, it's a, it is a good program. Um, so the loyalty side of it is, has a lot of good analysis features. Um, it works, it, it, it integrates with uh, toast, which is great. Um, so we're able to pull a lot of data that way. Um, we also it has an email component also built into yeah. it. So all of, it's like a one-stop shop, um, and uh, we have we use Olo for catering, and so it pulls in some of that data as well. Or it can. Uh, I'm not the tech person. I'm not yeah. the IT person. I just make, <laughs> make yeah. It but happen. that's also marketing. Um, it's so
0: all over the place. Yeah. Right now, so which is why like if you're an independent restaurant operator. And like you're trying to manage all this back end stuff, and like it's so oh my overwhelming. gosh, it is.
1: My first couple of weeks at Honeygrow, I was like, holy cow, there are so many platforms. I don't yeah. know what I'm looking at for what. Um, so there's there's certainly a lot of systems that are all yeah. uh, working together in order to give us these results. But uh, Punch does a good job of giving us dashboard results yeah. that we're able to quickly see what's happening.
0: I like to echo the mission statement here a lot. Um, it's intentional, but to inspire, empower, and transform the industry. And I think it's the referring tools and services that I think is truly empowering. Because mm-hmm. when you have so much that's out there and so many people are trying to sell what they have to you, like, how do you know like the anxiety associated with making the right purchasing decision as a restaurant tour it must be so outrageous? I mean, I've never experienced it, but thinking about it gives me anxiety well for sure, so like, just hopefully like just through this like word of mouth is the most trusted form of marketing to this day. it's the right. most organic it's the it's the oldest you know, and I think it's the most uh trusted mm-hmm. you know so i I like to get the referrals, so thank you for being willing to share some of these yeah stories absolutely
1: and yep. it is a big deal, I mean as we're looking yeah. into. We're constantly trying to um, come up with new solutions, better solutions. Challenge ourselves to be more efficient and things like that. And so we're always looking at what other products are out there and how to, to do a better job and to drive better results. So, uh, but n- they all come with a price, and I can only imagine as you know a, a single restaurant, you know, an entrepreneur just starting out and looking at all these prices, must make someone's yeah. head want to explode. so.
0: so- I've been saving it for the end because I knew yeah. that we could probably get lost in this and I want to make sure other stuff came out first before it came in an, an entire conversation about social media. So <laughs> as it looks today, like what is your social media strategy? Like What's working for you guys?
1: So we use Instagram as our primary vehicle. Oh, yeah. um, it is the best way to showcase food. Um, there's the most interest among um, users To that's that's the vehicle where we're seeing the most users interested in food. Um, You have the ability to do a static image, or you can do a reel. Um, We want to be able to, you know, add some comments about what's in this food. Um, It has decent targeting capabilities. If we, you know, if we want to place an ad that way, Um, stories are great for quick. You know, um, timely messages and things like that. So, Insta- and Instagram just is. I I would argue, although I don't know that this is a hundred percent true, the it's the most widely used social media pr- platform right now. Um, Facebook is probably uh, it's probably equal or slightly behind that. In my guess, I think the
0: demographic spread. Like the if you're the older individuals are tending to lean towards Facebook, and the the middle is instagram yeah like cross platform and then then the younger probably offset the older on, on instagram yeah as well yeah and then there's tiktok
1: yes <laughs> start oh, don't, get don't get me started don't get me started with tiktok
0: i'm trying um, to but i'm it's, trying to we're in a learning mode right now not opinion sharing mode keep going
1: um oh. <laughs> i i mean i think tiktok is a place to have a lot of fun yeah uh we shannon are are digital marketing coordinator. She's very creative and she comes up with these really funny things and I love seeing what she's going to put up there. I, I mean, it makes me laugh. And then, and so, but we're st- truthfully, we're still trying to figure out how TikTok, how to make TikTok work for us and how to, you know,
0: while maintaining your sense of pride.
1: Right. I mean, we are, <laughs> but we're, I mean, again, there's that creative word yeah. and that's part of who we are and part of what we want to communicate is through, you know, our food. And we – are it's creative. It's fun. I mean, it is stir-fry salads and honey bar, people. This is not rocket science. Like, let's relax and have some fun. And so that's where we get to do it. And um, and so we have a lot of fun on TikTok doing goofy different things. Um, then on Instagram, we also, you know, it, we have a, a really – I mean, we do have a good time. There's definitely humor. That's part of the brand. And so we try to get that to come yeah. out in in all aspects of
0: social media. And we just recently had somebody on the show, Tom Sterner, who's um, an expert in the subject of just mindfulness and uh, just being self-aware and directing your, your inner voice, mm-hmm. the, quieting the inner voice. So your consciousness can override and not be stressed out and anxiety filled all the time. I think this, when it comes to social media, I think it's it's good just to remind yourself like I I can choose to have fun with this, and I try I try to do this sometimes. like when I have to do things, I'm just like, just go with it, have fun. Like you don't right. have to be stressed out that it's time to do the social media thing, right? You know,
1: exactly. And you know, the other thing is a lot of social media is throwing stuff at the wall and see what sticks yeah. and that's how you learn what's working and what's not. So, you know, there is absolutely the creative side and the having fun and, um, and, you know, showing these beautiful noodle pools and, um, showing the integrity of the product and the craveability and all of that. And the, you know, that you just want to rush in and, and get a stir yeah. fry, but at, there's also the backend data of it, which, you know, it, that's, that's where, I have to focus my attention now where, you know, Shannon and she also is working closely with all of the data, but she's having fun creating all of these different, um, TikToks and, and, and memes and stuff of, Right. Yeah. Yes. And, and Steering she and is shift. too. I want to give her that yeah. credit because she's very, she's very diligent about that, but it's reporting constantly looking at the reporting of how many likes, how many shares, how many comments, what's that engagement so what number it look like? Um, you know, uh, we know that our noodle pools are doing really, really well. Noodle and pool in
0: the park. Noodle pool in front of a dog. Noodle pool in, in, yeah, at the gym.
1: Right. I mean, people <laughs> people really love to see the noodle pools. Can the, you teach
0: me how to do the, the noodle pool? I can. Maybe yes. we can get some social media All noodle right. pool. In.
1: We'll do some noodle pools. I-
0: <laughs> Keep going.
1: They are. Um, so, so yeah, the noodle pools work really well for us. We, Justin and uh, some of our GMs will do a walk off to see who creates the better stir fry. That always does really well.
0: Oh, I was, I was like walking. Like, I was like, oh, <laughs> no, the wok. walk. Yeah. Got like
1: it. W. Okay. W O K. So that's a lot of fun too. And, um, you know, I think that's also people like that because they, they like to see what we're making and things like yeah. that competition, but it also shows how, truly into it Justin is. Like, I tell you, I will go... He and I, a couple weeks ago, went out to a restaurant and the restaurant was slammed. And we were just going to visit different restaurants. And all of a sudden, he was like, I gotta jump back there. And he... He is back there cooking, and I'm working in front of the house making sure that everybody's okay. And as the line is growing, and that's just you know, that's who we are, that's what we do. Um, you know, you do whatever it takes all the time. So I think it's cool for people to understand um, who it is behind this brand that, you know, Justin is that down to earth and that involved in the day to day where yeah. he's he knows every single manager. What about
0: collaborations?
1: So we ha- on social yeah. or as a brand? Well,
0: um, how's it different?
1: <laughs> so on social, we um, so as a
0: brand, you like outsourcing for like a certain like for a dish for a dish like a like working with a farm is that what you mean? Oh, by-
1: working with a farm, we do a lot of collaborations with local Philadelphia area chefs. Um, Justin is super tied in with the chef network here in Philadelphia, and so he will. You know, he, if they're he has a couple of friends that, are, you know, maybe have a, a specific type of a restaurant and we'll see if we can work together and, and use their products if it seems like it's a fit for menu
0: items. Or like even collaborating with like a chef mm-hmm. and like having their, like, like pitching your bandwagon to their creativity and like using their recognition and their brand to, you know, slingshot sure, and haul your brand for, forward. Like, yeah. Promoting each other. For sure. Yeah.
1: Um, So, yeah, that sort of thing, you know, certainly happens both ways quite often. Um, And we, um, there's, you know, different special events and stuff like that where, you know, maybe Justin and um, uh, one of his friends that is a chef, they kind of put their heads together and come up with something kind of cool that they can showcase at a special event, you know, things like that. So there's a lot of collaboration um, that way, obviously, we or, we get a lot of food from local purveyors and things like that, um, but that. That's less of a collaboration. I think is more of a purchase, sort of a situation, a vendor situation. Um, but then on social media, um, you know, we work a lot with influencers. I think that that is really the key to growing that was the my brand. Next
0: question. So, like, what is your? That was going to be the last question around social media. I asked before we started to wrap things up. So perfect timing. <laughs> um, so, what is your your influencer uh, strategy with social media? So,
1: you know, at the moment, we really work closely with. Micro influencers. Um, that's where we're finding it's considered a micro influencer. Micro influencer is uh, an influencer that has a, a decent following, but not huge following. So they're pretty hyper local, which is important for us. Is that
0: subjective? What's a decent following?
1: Um, I would say like maybe under five thousand. Okay. Follow. I mean, and that's yes, it's subjective, but that's yeah. where I kind of put put it. Put it. Um, n- so I right think that, 5, yeah yeah
0: more than a thousand le- less than five 000.
1: right yeah definitely more than a yeah. thousand but um, but the problem with influencers when you are a more regional brand is that you need to make sure that they're following the, the, the influencers following also is in that same footprint yeah
0: if it's a bunch of uh, pizza and burgers is that gonna fly for your target market
1: well it's not even that it's that we want to make sure that the people who are following like you're from New Hampshire. We do not have a location in New Hampshire. If you are an influencer and you most of your social media followers are based in New Hampshire, you're not going to make sense for us. Yeah. Right? So that's that's what I mean by... Um, making sure that uh, the influencer and their followers are local to our the quality market.
0: of the audience, not the quantity.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So that's where, you know, we, we work a lot with micro influencers. We work with, you know, a lot sometimes they're, they're college students, college students do an amazing job with social media. Yeah. They're super creative and they have a lot of fun. They have the time to do it and that's their world. That's, yeah. that's their, that's all they know, you know, with technology. So, um, you Know ha- getting them to get this get is where a- the intern comes in, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, so working with with social media or with college kids, um, for influencers, and a lot of them have good followings, but they're located on a college campus where hopefully there is a honey grow also, and that would make a lot of sense for us.
0: How do you find college influencers on a college campus near one of the honey grows you're opening?
1: Yeah, it's it is very tedious, um, and you can use. Different programs where you can, if you're willing to to pay a a larger price, and you know, right now we don't do a lot of paid. We do a lot of trade. Yeah, Um, where where we'll give you know a few. Gift cards or um, a certain amount of money in in Honeygrow dollars we'll redeemable to yeah exactly and <laughs> and a lot do sure um, but you know and and influencers that are getting themselves off the ground and things like that and so um, you know we but that that seems to be working very well for us there will certainly come a time where we're going to want to make that bigger and we'll have to move into uh, you know a, a more of a paid play um, and. If, you know yeah. when that time comes. This it is comes. honestly,
0: sorry, I cut you short. Go ahead, finish your thought.
1: No, that was it. Just we're we're not there yet, and and we do like to make it as authentic as possible. So, um, we you know we do some cross referencing between who are. It's a very tedious process and going through to figure out who those influencers are, and then we find out if those influencers are fans of Honeygrow, and more often than not we will only work with a, an influencer who is a fan of HoneyGrow because yeah. we do want it to be authentic. So you,
0: have you tried paid influencing?
1: We have with one who we do know is a very big fan of HoneyGrow. Um, so that person was coming in anyway. Yeah. We just paid for more exposure. Got it. Because- I mean- it gets kind of weird with the pain because it's
0: like we got to this point like is social media really social or is it is it it's not social media no,
1: i mean look at your instagram feed and tell me the last time that you saw something posted by one of your friends
0: well here's the thing like i i will admit that when i i when i have the app on my phone when i'm on the road i i download the app because i feel like people try to reach out to me they see i mean sam's going crazy posting stuff and i kind of feel like i need to be plugged in but when i'm home i delete that shit I don't want it on my phone. I don't want, because I have horrible ADHD. I don't need something that's designed to distract me. I am so vulnerable to that. Mm-hmm. And I recognize it and I try to get it off my phone because I just know all the reasons why it's not a good thing. But the other thing is like, yeah, because because my social media is literally only exists because of my business, that like everything I see is a pitch and I know enough about marketing and social media to see right through all of it. Right. You know, so I don't see a social experience. I see I see what you're doing. Yeah. And for me, it just drives me crazy sometimes. Right. Like I got to start ranting. I
1: totally weeks. agree with you, It's yeah. just probably crazy to hear from a marketer. I only look at social media for work.
0: So, I mean, we usually wrap up the, the conversation based off of like, where is the industry today? What's the world we live in? The ecosystem. Again, echoing the mission statement, inspire, empower, transform the industry. Uh, I, I do believe if we transform the industry, we will, we will influence the rest of the world. So along that vein, along that note, what would you like to see as far as transformation?
1: I love what you said at the beginning about, you know, everyone, all of these restaurants getting together and being able to figure out a way to, you know, buy local, keep it cost conscious and kind of do right. For everyone, um, because I think that that would be a better experience for for restaurateurs, but also for the customer. And you know, I think at the end of the day,
0: and the community too. Yeah,
1: for sure. Um, at the end of the day, we're all customers, and I think that that's one of the things to keep top of mind. And I remind myself of that all the time. Um, that we we're selling food a meal we're marketing to different groups but at the end of the day we're all customers i buy from other restaurants other you know people buy from us and um just trying to figure out how to make it the best experience for everyone and you know um even with so many health concerns that this world has and how do we make it healthier? Do we need to be adding all this extra stuff all the time? And, um, you know, food should taste great in its most natural state. And let's figure out a way to do that and help the youth right. s- be healthy, help the elderly live longer. You know, I mean, there's so, there's so much that we have the ability to do in this industry for one another. That I, I love, you know, and I really hadn't thought a ton about that until you said it. But I love that. Yeah, whole you, philosophy. you think about
0: food. Most of the things we put in our body body are organic, right? They were once living. So, like, we're like the food and restaurant industry is tied to the singularity of life, you know. And like, and I think we forget how much influence. I mean, I hate the word influencer, but collectively, the in the, the restaurant industry, chefs, restaurant tours people look up to these individuals. You know, we are educators. We're influencers. We influence our employees, you know, to, to, to march to our values and to join our vision. Mm-hmm. And and we work with the youngest professionals out there. So we can literally, the, the, to, the, to your point, like we can, we can, Help young people, but whether it's like giving them values or like I know from your perspective, we're talking about eating habits, right? Uh, and old people helping them live longer, right? But sure. we just have so much influence, and I think it's so inspiring. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, this has been a lot of fun. We're going to take one more quick break to thank our sponsors, and we're going to try to bust out a quick speed round. This episode is brought to you by Ovation. Creating a great guest experience is the goal of every restaurant every time. But the ways to find out what's actually happening with the guests are terrible. Long surveys are annoying. Nobody likes to take them. Table touches aren't scalable. And every negative review costs you 30 new customers. Ouch. That's where Ovation steps in. Ovation gets happy guests to leave positive reviews, unhappy guests to share what happened, and it gives you specific ideas to improve. Using a simple two-question survey, guests either click a text message they get after placing an order or scan a QR code to easily answer how was your experience. Happy guests leave five-star reviews and can be invited back with automated text marketing and unhappy guests share privately what went wrong so you can resolve your concerns in real time. Then the magic happens. Ovation takes all the public reviews and all the Ovation private feedback and analyzes them in a single simple view so you can know exactly what to fix and where. It's frictionless for your guests, easy for your managers, and powerful for you. If you're interested in actionable guest feedback, visit ovationup.com slash unstoppable. Unstoppable listeners get $100 off their setup fee. What are you waiting for? That's ovationup.com slash unstoppable. Recently on the show, you've been hearing it come up often. Fred Langley, CEO of Restaurant Systems Pro, will be leading a group of restaurateurs through the Restaurant Systems Pro software and setting up the system for your restaurant. recipe costing cards, guidance in your books for accounting, cash control, sales forecasting. with accuracy checklist budgeting for the entire year scheduling for profit more butts in seats and that's not it often the team at restaurant systems pro helps restaurateurs out pro bono because their hearts go out to these folks i mean it's hard out there but because of that a lot of the time these restaurateurs don't follow through because they have no skin in the game for that reason there is an application process. Only those serious about making change in their operation will be accepted into this program. Are you interested? Then go to restaurantunstoppable.com slash R-S-P. That's R-S-P for Restaurant Systems Pro. Restaurantunstoppable.com slash R-S-P. We're back. The first question I have for you is what is your it factor, a habit, a trait, a characteristic you believe most contributes to your success? A strength. Drive. What is your biggest weakness?
1: Distractions.
0: Right. How are you overcoming that? Drive. (laughs) Not using social media when you're not at work. Uh, What is one question you ask or thing you look for uh, during the interview process when you're growing your team? Personality. What is your biggest challenge today?
1: Managing an enormous amount of
0: projects of equal weight. And how are you overcoming that?
1: Um, trying to prioritize with the goals of the company
0: what is one code of conduct a core value you teach with your team charity charity i love it Uh, this is more of a restaurant tour geared question i think but uh what is one uncommon standard of service you teach your team a way to go above and beyond uh how to you know exceed the guest expectation but maybe you, you might be a part of the team you might know the answer to that.
1: Um, treating every single guest like an individual through things like responding to every single uh, social media um, comment and every dm and, yeah
0: i love that uh, what is one book that's a must read to make a better person or restaurant owner and this, I feel like marketing, you should have a lot.
1: I mean, the number one book that I have read and I still reference today, even though it's ages old, is Why We Buy.
0: Ooh, It's kind of similar to Start With Why, but I haven't heard that one. What's, who's the author?
1: Uh, I knew you were going to ask me that. I cannot remember. Paco something or other. I'll
0: look it up while you're answering the questions. Um, next question is, what is, whoa, whoa, I'm all over the place now, my notes. Uh, what is one thing you feel restaurant tours don't do well enough or often enough?
1: I think it, depending on the size of the company, um, I, I'm not sure that they don't do well enough for often enough, but my recommendation would be to be in the restaurants doing the cooking, living it, and you know experience what your employees are experiencing.
0: I agree with that um, which just makes scaling hard.
1: yeah, <laughs> it does, but it, yeah. it can make you find opportunities to be more efficient and True. how to hold on to your talent for longer. True.
0: What is one piece of technology you've recently adopted in terms of marketing that's had a huge impact on communication, profitability, I guess marketing in general, exposure, impressions, whatever you want to call it, what comes to mind?
1: I would say our um, loyalty uh, program through Punch with uh, just the amount of information that you can get out of it has made us much more efficient.
0: What information do you like the most?
1: Oh, God, I love data. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, I think... Frequency and value of our loyalty guests versus non loyalty is really important as we move forward.
0: Got it. Um, and this is the last question. We've made it to the end. Congratulations. You were Thank great, you. by the way. I really enjoyed today's con- <laughs> I really pushed you, too. You did a great job. Uh, if you get the news that you're leaving this world tomorrow, all the memories of you, your work, and your restaurants and your contribution to those restaurants is lost with your departure, with the exception of three pieces of wisdom you can leave behind. The good of humanity and for your legacy, what would those three pieces of wisdom be?
1: Uh, I would say that you work to live and don't live to work. One. Never go to bed in an argument, never fall asleep in an argument. And make sure that you always let people know how appreciated they are.
0: That was awesome. Thank you so much. I've really enjoyed today's conversation. The name of that author is Paco Underhill. Yes, that's it. Yes. Yes. Uh, So we'll link to that. that Of course. Uh, This is episode 990. Head over to restaurant com slash nine nine zero. We'll have a summary of today's discussion over there, as well as any links to tools or services recommended during today's, uh, chat and how to connect. You almost forgot to, um, Ask you uh, what is the best way to connect, and I almost asked to ask you to call somebody out too. I'm all over the place right now, sorry. Um, <laughs> so what, that's a lot. I just being... hit you with a lot. So we'll start with who do you respect and admire in the industry? Somebody who is just super impressive. That if they were a guest on the show, you would absolutely tune in.
1: Oh jeez, um, I would. I mean, I would probably say. Justin and um, I don't think that you've had the chance to speak with no. him yet
0: but but he actually recommended you to me because <coughs> I came to town. See that so Eli Culp um, he's he amazing referred me to Justin okay Justin didn't get much of a heads up that I was coming to town uh, he wasn't available but he's like hey I mean if you're gonna be in town you've you got to talk to Amy Amy so I'm calling out <laughs> so I was like all right Amy sounds great and we, I, we do we do need more C-level specialists on the show to, to really drill down and get that those detailed uh, pieces of advice which you did great for us today so thank you so much oh
1: absolutely well thank you for having me but yeah I do think that Justin would be a a great person Um, he is he's very unique in his approach and I can tell you as part of his uh, you know direct reports that he's it he doesn't ever make you feel like you're a direct report you know he and and I think that that's a really important uh, management style and part of the reason why it's why the business is being has been so successful and has such a strong growth trajectory.
0: Got it. Um, and is is there a way to connect with you? LinkedIn or yeah, email? LinkedIn. If people have questions or maybe they want to come work with you?
1: Sure. Um, I guess LinkedIn would probably be the best way. Um, I can give emails too if yeah, you want. Yeah, sure. So, Drop your email. Um, my email is uh, adepauli at honeygrow.com. Or
0: that the poly is spelt. I, I know I wrote D, Dia, e, Sorry, Go, go ahead. ahead.
1: D as in dog, E, P as in Paul, A O L I. Got
0: it. Uh and uh this is where I say thank you so much.
1: Thank you for having me. This is great.
0: There is no questioning, Amy. You are unstoppable. <laughs> Cheers. There's another episode wrapped up here at Restaurant Unstoppable. Special thanks to our guest today, Amy DePauli, for going deep into the world of marketing. And i uh, super excited to get the folks over at Honeygrove on the show. Uh, Justin Rosenberg uh, was referred to us by, again, Eli Culp. Special thanks to Eli for being so generous with his network. And we weren't able to connect with Justin, uh, but the folks over at Honeygrove are doing such amazing things. There, there's so many amazing people on their team so many executives to, to, to share their knowledge. When Amy said she was you know, I like, I would love to be a guest on the show. I mean, it was a no brainer and you saw why. She left some amazing knowledge on the table today for us all to pick up and, and to take and to apply in our own businesses. And this is kind of one of the things again, when I say that we're, we're looking to slow down, we're looking to go deeper, we're looking to, to really take our time on the road and, and to look for the clues and, and to get a wider swath of expert and individual on the show. And these executives that have specialties and that can just go so much deeper than a generalist, right? So super grateful that, to get Amy on the show. Thank you so much, Amy. You're just a wealth of knowledge and so so just fun to be around. I had a really great time talking to you. And if you're enjoying this podcast and you want more content just like it, we need your support. And I'm being honest, it's it's going to get hard. Um, it's, it's not easy to let the the content steer the ship and what i mean by that i'm listening to these these experts they're, they're giving us advice they're giving us clues they're referring organically tools and services and individuals that that they went to for help and to systematize their business and to you know scale and they're, they're literally calling out future guests to be on the show and to follow those clues to to the It takes energy and it takes time to to get to these people, especially when we're committed to 100% on-site interviews. So please support the show. There's a ton of ways you can support the show. You can support our sponsors. You can use our affiliate links. I'm going to tell you about these tools and services anyway. You might as well use our links so you can support the show uh, that, that goes so far. And uh, you can share this podcast with anybody and everyone you know aspiring to be great in the restaurant industry. We're bringing the network back. I'll be honest. We had that thing on pause for a while because I needed to slow down and speed up to rejigger what the future of Restaurant Unstoppable looks like. But we're going to have a specialist in there, somebody whose job it is to focus on managing that community. So if you feel like it's lonely at the top and you need some support and you just want to get some thoughts out and you want other restaurant tours to talk to, then maybe consider joining the network. Uh, There's links in the show notes. And then lastly, I cannot say goodbye without saying thank you to the people who make the show possible. Thank you to Jared Parisi over at Sumadre Podcast for his editing and copywriting. And thank you to Sam Hall for helping us launch this video content and the editing that you're doing behind that and the social media. It takes an army. I'm so grateful for my team. And that's it for today. Until next time. Peace out.